Season three, episode 25, Stats Matter. Now, I look, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, right? Mm-hmm. But three, 25, you added two of them together, it's 28, 28 to three, Tom Brady. Three was Russell Wilson, 24, Richard Sherman, Broncos country, hashtag less ride. All these numbers are crazy. That is to say, NFL Week 16 was also pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to recap it. Christmas football. In our cups this week, it's a pair of Imperial Stouts, one from Richmond, Virginia, shout out to Vale, and one from what's becoming, quickly, the, the Stout capital of the United States. I don't know. Florida. Yeah. Don't ask me why. Uh, from Tampa, shout out to Hidden Springs. All of you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's your Apple, Spotify, Google. Follow us on Instagram at Stats the Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things beer and sports. Tim, let's get into the burbs. Yes, welcome, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for uh, you know dealing with life. Uh, kind of happens. <clears throat> uh, but I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Uh, I hope you have a great upcoming holiday weekend. Tim, how was your Christmas? Oh, it's pretty great. Pretty great. I, I my my year my year long tradition mm-hmm. of doing four Christmases and also getting one or more bottles of Bilster Brothers Angels of Filthy Souls as a Christmas mm-hmm. present is undefeated. It's unbroken. Thank you mm-hmm. very much for the uh, the incredible family members who they always hand me a bag and they're like well, I wonder what it is and I don't want to say anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not going to be like Jesus. I hope it's Angels with Filthy Souls. But every year and every year it's fucking banging. It's crazy good. I happen, you know, I happen to get one of every single one this year. I got the barrel select, I got the coffee one, the the vanilla one, the twenty twenty one, whew, just crazy. So nice. I uh, got a couple. The beer stork will be paying a visit mm. uh, to the Cronin household. Plus, my shout out to my secret Santa from Beer Twitter. Just massive this year. A whole bunch of West Coast double IPAs, and mm. then a twenty twenty and a twenty twenty one for Bottle Logic. One that was nice. coconut, flaked coconut, and then one that was a salted caramel stout. Um, killer, absolutely killer. Nice, but uh, yeah. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this thing off because yeah, yeah, I, go ahead. I know exactly what you're gonna do. You're gonna wax poetic about Florida. Um, <laughs> this is called Lord Wang Doodle, and if you've watched Wednesday on Netflix, this is kind of what the monster and Wednesdays look like. But it's actually it's probably just an IP ripoff of the Cookie Monster because it's a imperial milk stout aged in a blend of rye. Utopias, apple brandy, and bourbon barrels for an average of 22 months. Conditioned further on chocolate sandwich cookies, troop waffles, chocolate chip cookie dough, chocolate chip cookies, peanut butter cookies, vanilla wafers, and coconut caramel fudge cookies. AKA, what would I do if I wanted to make a beer that was a ton of Girl Scout cookies and everything I had in the fridge when I was stoned? That's what I would make this beer mm. out of, probably. Um, oh, shit. Sounds like diabetes. Uh yeah, and it actually just uh just bubbled up on me. Oh man, this Ooh, nice. so much stuff in this. Ooh boy! Wow, it looks like fudge brownie in a glass, and now there mm-hmm. is just a whole bunch of shit just on the on the desk. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Uh wow, this is gonna be a great photo, folks. I'm just really looking forward to this one. It's art, if you will. Okay. Well. I can tell you, first thing, massive amount of carbonation. Second mm-hmm. thing, whew, super barrels. Do you remember how I said Utopia's in there? Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Utopia's is, it's this weird, like, 4,300% ABV beer that Sam Adams makes. Mm. It comes in, like, this weird little gold chalice thing every year. I've never had it, uh, yeah. but a lot of people swear by it. 
Okay, let's see what this is. Oh, yeah. A lot of cookies. A lot of cookies. <laughs> At, well, wow. It just keeps going. But I can definitely taste the brandy and, and the bourbon barrel in it. Um, wow. Whew. That is a lot. How do you do this shit, Tim? How, how do you plug down these pastry stouts, man? The, the, you know, there's something about... Sorry. Put in put in adjuncts in a stout that are that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. This I think this might teeter on the line, dude. There's a lot of fucking things. There's there. a lot in there, dude. Your list was what like eight ingredients deep. Dude, look at some of the stuff that spilled out over. Like there's there's def. You would expect to see some hop sediment there, or like some adjunct sediment. Hop really sediment. Not. I imagine to see like cookie crumbs. Like when you dip dude, when I'm you dip your too, but... uh, you keep dipping all your your cookies in the milk and we get left over <laughs> on the bottom. That's what I'm expecting there. I do get to say, it's pretty damn good for for having that many things. You get a lot of the bourbon barrel up front, and then as it burns off on the rest of your palate, yep. you definitely taste the cookie. I taste a little more chocolate chip than anything else. Not that that doesn't mean there's not in there, but if you have a lot of wafer type cookies, I would assume they would get overpowered. Um, this is one of the variants of the Wang Doodle. It comes out during the Vale's dark days every year. Uh, shout out to the beer store for getting this up to me. Um, I, I like it. I like it quite a bit. I'm going to give it a 4-3. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so a buddy of mine who lives down in Florida, which is why I have access to all of these beers, uh, was like, hey, man, I'm looking to, I'm, I'm going to be getting rid of some of my beers. Christmas is coming up. Uh, I'm going to send you some to make room. <clears throat> and when he sent me the picture, I thought he was sending, I thought he sent me a bunch of, uh, a picture of a bunch of angry chair beers he was shipping up. So I'm like, yeah, man, go for it. It up. Bingo cards. Get your bingo cards. Yeah. So when he sent it up, uh, you know, I was literally about to make a post about it, and um, kid asked me if I got them, and then said, "Have you ever had Hidden Springs before?" And I was like, "Nah, nah, nah." Uh, and I thought he was gonna ship me more beer, and I was like, "No, no, no I'm all right. Thank you, though." And he's like, "No, no, no. That's that's what you have in your hand." I'm like, oh, oh shit. So uh, these are not Angry Chair. It's another brewery that makes very similar looking uh labels in uh, stouts uh that's also based out of tampa uh it's called hidden spring aleworks uh this one is an imperial sweet stout aged in buffalo trace and willet barrels with marshmallows and peanuts so uh this thing's this thing's a big boy it's 12 percent. i imagine it's like angels with filthy filthy souls and a lot of the other ones because it's got the roman numerals on the side just like a lot of the other annual stouts do. Uh, but it's called uh, Fluffle Wagon. Cute little, Fluffle Wagon. Cute, cute little label. Yeah. So let's give it a go. <clears throat> it is uh, sweet stout season. And my son is very proud of this. This is this was uh, a gift he picked out for me. Um, hmm. My beer opener. Uh, I don't know whether to be proud of this or concerned. Because he said dad likes to drink beer. Because he likes to find rare ones. And send pictures of them to his friends. <laughs> it's not wrong. I mean, it's not like he's yeah. saying dad likes beer until he has to take a nap or anything like that. So I think that's a win. But <clears throat> anyway. Tell you what. So, so you, you know I went to I went to Florida recently for work. So I was in Miami and uh stayed around the airport just in time with Wood in Winwood and 
you know, I met with some other folks down there for work, and um, you know, we just we, had, we happened to get to talking, and one of the guys down there, you know, also big into craft beer, and he was like, yeah, he was like, oh, what'd you guys do? I said, oh, we went to Winwood, you know, went to Jay Wakes, went to this place, went to that place, and and he's like, oh, there's this great place in Tampa. I don't know if you heard about it. And I was like, stop. I, I know what you're about to say. <laughs> I know what you're about to say. <laughs> so, you know, we, we we talked a little anger chair again and uh, uh, talked cycle brewing. And, you know, he invited us down there. He said, hey, you got to come down for Moss Miami. You know what I mean? There's 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 a lot going on with the Levitar shows, big, big beer week going on. And then you could just, I mean, everything is down there. Civil Society, mm. Hidden Springs, apparently. Yeah. Um, so this is... This is like the what, equivalent what is it of with Florida and these these fucking bomb barrel aged out. I don't get it. I, I did. I don't know, but this is like when the gas stations open a cup across the street from each other. Because I just looked up the driving distance between the two; they're five minutes apart. <laughs> so one of well, them was probably there first, and the other one's like, "Hey, I could probably make something like that." But look at this thing. That is thick. Like there is like you can't see through this at all. But man, it smells. Like you just smell all the peanut butter. I don't smell any booze. I don't smell any of that barrel aging. Buffalo Trace and Willet. Buffalo Trace is a good one. That's that's one that you can typically find uh, at re- at a retail, which is like a $35, $40 barrel. And it's a really good everyday drinker that's gotten hyped up a bunch to where it, the market's become artificially limited, if you will, and people rush out to buy it thinking that it's an allotment style, and it's not. Like package stores around where I am, where it's not state controlled, have started charging a little bit more. It's it's easily a really good but really inexpensive whiskey. So if if anyone's trying to charge you sixty bucks or more for it, don't do it. It's it's easy, like forty forty five bucks, but it's phenomenal. Willet, on the other hand, tends to be one that's a little bit harder to get your hands on, to pace, depending on what version you're going to get. They have these colored wraps around the top of them. Um, some of like the purple wraps tend to be a little bit more difficult to get your hands on. So it doesn't say specifically which Willet this is in, if it's their sort of like more readily available or if it's one of the more limited ones. But either way, it's still a good whiskey. <clears throat> but let's give it a, give it a, a, a sampling. We're going to have to get some of these data files from from Flowrider on the pot. You know what I mean? That's the crappier files. We're going to we're going to have to find someone. We're going to have to find someone who's like a a member of Angry Chair, you know, an angel investor, someone who bought in day one. We got to go. What the fuck are y'all doing down there? <laughs> Oof. Like, you know, on the surface, mm. it doesn't make a lot of sense. You have an adjunct stout that would be like an ice cream in like, like the amount of ingredients that you put into it. Yeah. And. Oh yeah, of course it would it would come from one of the, the places that's hot as you know Satan's taint. That would that would make sense, I guess. It's, it's but just it does on the surface, right? It's just proof that it's always uh oh, God, always stout go. season. I knew you were gonna do that shit, Sam. I knew you were gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Well, show me I mean, where I'm the lie is. Show me where the lie is. If the hottest if one of the hottest states in the country is producing some of the best stouts you around, it's gotta tell you something. Uh, anyway, um, I mean Hawaii. Man, this tastes like. So first, there's no heavy bite. So and one of the things I like about these is that they're they're labeling them now more accurately, so you know what you're getting. It is an imperial, so it's got a lot of extra booze. It's a little bit more on the the, the heftier side, but they call them sweet stouts because that is what these are meant to be. You're not going to go pick one of these up thinking you're about to suck down a Guinness, a nice. 
you know, a nice coffee flavored with a little bit of chocolate note style stout you would get and like a or like a dark roasted porter or something along those lines. They call it sweet stout so you know exactly what you're going to get. They hit this one on the nose without it being too sweet. It's definitely a this is like a dessert beer. I'm not drinking three of these in one sitting. I'm going to have this as like a late night snack after dinner or if you have friends over and you want to have a couple this is phenomenal it tastes like a snickers dipped in uh fluff is exactly what this mm. thing tastes like like the, the peanut butter comes through the stout brings a little bit of that chocolate forward the bourbon aging gives it and i've said this before anytime you have like a bourbon aged beer it tends to come out uh, a little on the sweeter side um for whatever reason that i've never looked into why it causes that but Whenever you have one that's aged in bourbon, it tends to pull out all of the sweeter notes from those bourbons. And naturally, it's a sweeter beer than you would normally get. But it says it's got lactose in it and milk sugar. Or, yeah, and lactose and nuts. So it does have a little bit of that milk sugar in it. Um, but it's not overwhelming. I'm not usually a big fan of the lactose beers. But goddamn, this is phenomenal. I still think I would put this up there. For me, with the likes of like Barreled Souls, right? Angry Chair for me is still top. Good to know. By Good to like, know, because if anything dethroned that the fucking Angry Chair, I think this podcast would spontaneously self-combust. This is, I mean, it's not far off of it, but it's just, there's something so like refined about Angry Chair. I haven't had one. Even their, even their basic stout, Simple Math, is incredible from a stout perspective. So that's that's the only reason I... I kind of hold them to a higher standard because everything that they've done has been incredible. This is really good, though. I'm going to give this uh, a four six. Um, Damn, this would this would hold its weight up against some of the bigger stout hitters that are out there. It is very sweet. It's not over the top sweet, but you can't have. You're not going to be slugging a couple bottles. It's just that's it's just a little too sweet on that side of things. But you're going to have a dinner or having a couple people over you want a little sweet you know sweet tooth snack this followed up by like a glass of whiskey or something like that would be perfect this is it's really really good it is thick but it's light on the palate so and you don't you don't taste the booze at all so this thing is dangerous it tastes like it's like snickers dipped in fluff and then dropped into some hershey's chocolate milk that's what it tastes like interesting but speaking of barrel souls question for it did you did you join the, the giveaway that they do every year uh i did not join the giveaway but i do have my uh barrel program beers coming in the next two months yeah good stuff yeah. um you know if one of them happens to fall off the back of the truck somewhere and just tumble down 95 south you know no big deal i'm gonna um, get, i'm gonna get like 20 of them so i'll give one to you and we'll do a we'll get we'll do a giveaway on the pod <laughs> yeah. podcast for the people nothing else nothing else like it um yeah so listen it's been ridiculously cold lately <clears throat> absolutely ridiculously cold it was 50 come on in miami and actually froze in miami um, 50 was cold it was cold in that it snowed <coughs> i know wild absolutely wild uh it was like 12 degrees in maine when i was back up there for christmas i was like fuck is this shit <laughs> just not happy about it at all not happy about it at all yeah and shout out to jamie listener of the podcast um had some sump pump troubles Ooh. yeah you know you know home ownership you know sump pump troubles when the sump pump decides it gets a little too big for its britches, and the rain's like, ha bitch. Nah, your basement's ours. Like, we did a lot of work. We did a lot of work on Oof. that. So shout out, shout out to Jamie for all, all the effort to, 
it, it made it made a great uh, a great week, and I needed a barrel aged beer just about every night I was up there, which is okay because I got a few of them, and now I got some. They're on the way back. Tim, let's yeah. get into Christmas football because I, Woo! I mean, three games Christmas Eve, three games yeah. Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. You would think that you would just be like, no way, every game's going to hit. Just about every game hit. The NFL announced a ton of news. So before we get into the game recaps, the NFL Sunday ticket is no longer with DirecTV. That shit's going to YouTube TV. The price point is projected to be around $300. It's rumored right now that users will have the option to select their own team, regardless of wherever they are. You just can't get the local games because they're obviously the, they have those TV deals. So if you're a Seahawks fan like me, just pay $300 a season and you can see it. But guess what, Tim? Mm. Right now, I pay four installments of $73.99 to DirecTV for the college students' version, because I'm doing my master's degree, <laughs> uh, version of DirecTV. But dude, DirecTV charges people like $99 or $100 a month for, for the Sunday ticket, in addition to the satellite stuff. It was never going to be a sustainable model. There was always issues. I am so happy. The NFL does not do things, for the most part, very well. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. The streaming infrastructure is there. You want to watch YouTube videos anywhere in the world, you are going to pull a YouTube video up. They're going to give you eight different, you know, streaming qualities to see it in. I am so looking forward to this next year. As so a, looking uh, forward to it. I don't have a, YouTube TV yet. I'm strongly considering getting it anyways. Um, I do. But I, I, think this is, I think this is good. Even if YouTube TV said, hey, it's $70 a month. It's like $296 a year, which is just a few dollars off of what I've been paying right now anyways for the a la carte version of Sunday ticket, which crashes sometimes doesn't work all the time and is, you know, geographically based off where I am. So if they're going to charge me 50, a hundred shit, even $150 more, I'm probably still going to pay for it. Right. When you want to watch football, you will pay for it. And I, I, for one, I'm just like, fuck yeah, NFL way to go. Yeah, man. I have, uh, I've had YouTube TV since its inception, dropped cable, picked up YouTube, YouTube TV, uh, I haven't been. Uh, I've I've nothing negative to say about it. It's been absolutely great. In fact, uh, I worked with Vince Carter for a little while. The, yeah, the Vince Carter, and just randomly in conversation, I was helping him with a an issue on like a personal computer, and we started talking about YouTube TV. And uh, I was like, "Yeah, man, you want to see what it looks like? I'll log in and show it to you." Because you can. The nice part is you can pay for uh, or part of your plan. You can have like a couple family members also use it. And they log in with their own Gmail account. You just invite them. So every time I log into my YouTube TV, it's me, my brother-in-law, and I see Vince Carter still there. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. No. It's, uh, um, yeah. Huge fan of uh, huge fan of YouTube TV. So that's that's a good move. I mean, I I pick up enough of the games I'm interested in through, uh, you know, just regular broadcast and whatnot. Um, you get the NFL Red Zone. Also through YouTube TV, which is nice. If you don't, if you're not going to sit down and watch a ton of the games, I live where my team plays. I get to see them all locally anyway, so it's not as big of a deal. But for those of you who are fans of teams outside of your market, it's phenomenal. So huge win! Very excited, Tim. Take us into Week 16. First game you are recapping. Go. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Bucks Cardinals because this is um. I mean, everyone's got their eyes on the Bucks because they're, they're a team that on paper uh, should have no problem 
right? But for the last, I mean, almost the entire duration of the season, they've been completely out of sync. There's something that's gone awry. We could say it may be Tom Brady and his skill set. We can say it might be age. It could be some of the off-the-field situations kind of playing into, you know, maybe some of the, the gameplay on the field. But just in general, they're off except for the last quarter of pretty much every game when they go when it's close and they go into the two minute drill. Um it's just I mean, Tom Brady's thrown a couple more picks in this game. They looked awful, like just terrible reads. Uh but I mean he held on enough to, to kind of keep minute. I mean granted they were going up against the team who had uh Tracy McSorley out there who looked pretty good for for you know what you were expecting to get out of him. But man, that offensive line is giving him almost no time to do anything, uh, which makes him feel like he's constantly being hurried behind the line. And Brady, who has the fastest release time, if he still doesn't have enough time to work through his progressions or or you know make passes when they're needed, um something's off. I mean, they've had plenty of issues uh on the um on the offensive side of the ball uh, on the O-line. I think they were on like their third string tackle and it was a utility player that would bounce back and forth. And, you know, he get cutting called for penalties, holding and and offsides. It was, it was tough. They had a couple plays that took points off the board that I thought may have been uh, called incorrectly. Um, Another tough officiating, but I mean, for all the shit, and, and how poorly they looked. Uh, there's just something off on that team. That, that His players aren't making catches. Uh, I don't know if it's him and his throws or the timing of the receivers, but everybody just looks bad. Evans is dropping balls that he should not be dropping. Uh, Godwin's dropping. That first interception was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, Brady put the ball exactly where it needed to be. The DB turned Evans around right into the DB's breadbasket. You are supposed to make that catch. That is a one yeah. yard line catch. Yeah. You've got to come down with that. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it's strange because you, you can't say the same guy who's out there and missing all those passes is suddenly turning on in like the last two minutes because we've seen it the last several weeks. They get down in that hurry up offense. He can do whatever he wants, throwing the ball all over the place. So I'm not willing to say this is a Tom Brady issue. He's still got the arm to get the ball downfield. Some of them were underthrown, but. I don't know how many of those are by design so that the receiver can come back and, and jump for the ball or whatever that whatever those situations are. He made some that were in stride that got missed. I mean, it's I'm I'm not I'm not saying that none of this is his fault. I'm sure there's more of it that's his fault than we'd be willing to understand, but his team's just not there supporting him. His offensive line is terrible. He's constantly under pressure. Even though he has the fastest release time, he's under duress and has to make quick passes anyway. He's thrown off of his back foot a lot of the time. It's <clears throat> it it's there's just a lot going on that that seems strange for them to be even in contention. And the fact that their division is so terrible that they're ahead of the rest of the with a seven and eight record is just abysmal. They, I know they need to come out and win this next weekend to make it, but. Man, uh, yeah, not much to say about the cards other than uh, J.J. Watt 
alluding to retirement at the end of the season. Uh, McSorley played surprisingly well against one of the, the the best quarterbacks you know in history. Even though the defense let up a lot of soft plays and they did not look like the defense they had for the first three quarters of the season, still looked pretty good. So maybe there's a little bit of a a bright a bright spot on that side in case they uh, in case they have some quarterback issues at the beginning of next season. They know they can at least rely on him. But yeah, man, the the Bucks got some shit they got to figure out. I know the rumors are, are mounting that Brady's going to be moving on to another team. Some folks are saying back to New England. Uh, Wild Gronkowski thrown out uh, that he's bored and may want to come back. I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. But unless they get a new offensive coordinator, I don't think anybody should be coming to New England. That guy is fucking terrible. But <laughs> that guy, you're you even saying him by name? No, okay. I won't. I give him no respect. Interesting. All right. The first game that I, I'm going to recap here, Brown Saints. Listen. Deshaun Watson might be a good football player. Deshaun Watson has some character issues, right? Uh, that's putting it mildly. And he served his long suspension. Should have been longer. And he's come back and he's played football and you've gotten exactly what you thought you would see out of him. Okay. 15 attempts. Sorry, 31 attempts, 15 completions, 135 yards. Loses a game 17 to 10 to the Cleveland Browns. I mean, to, sorry, to the New Orleans Saints. I, I just, there's really not much here that you can really talk about in this game. Neither team really got the run game going. Chubb averaged 3.8 yards per rush. They're Dalvin Kamara. Like, only one of them got a touchdown. Field goals, defense stepping up, doing what they need to do. But, like, when you look at the box score, Tell, tell me if you know who these Saints receivers are. Rashid Shaheed, Juwan Johnson, David Johnson, Heath Kirkwood. Those are the people that got targets in this game from a, a one Andy Dalton, who only chucked it 15 times, completed eight of them. Like, this was, both of these guys had a quarterback rating underneath 50. Like, this was, this shouldn't, I know I just said, oh, all these games hit. This, this game hit because you're just sort of like, come on, come on, teams, do something. Do something. You know what I mean? Like, Taysom Hill had to come in there, and thank God he got a rushing touchdown. But, you know, you're kind of watching that game being like, you know, maybe Taysom needs to be the quarterback here for either one of these teams. Maybe Taysom just plays all-time quarterback, and we just see what happens here. Because, all things considered, not a fantastic game here. No. Um, we're going to see games like this. Watson's knocking off the rust, obviously, that he, he has from not playing, because when you're tossing routes to you know, practice squad receivers and making Instagram videos, you're probably not NFL game ready. Just, mm. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, it, I ha I chose this game because I was just like, man, before the game happened, I was like, I think this would be a good game. I think this would be a high-scoring game because some of the, the Browns' previous games have been that way. And the Saints, you know, that their defense is, well, I mean, it, it happens to be a joke sometimes, so you would think this would be a high-scoring game. Yet, in the end, the Saints defense gave up 10 points in the first half and mm -hmm. seeded no other points the rest of the game. So they did exactly what they needed to do. You say what you want about Watson. He does have the talent, and he's better than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. So for him, for the Saints to shut out a team like that for the whole second half, you know, got to give him props. Good for them, too, because fuck that guy. Exactly. Morally, <laughs> I'm rooting for every team to do that to the, the Browns. Yeah, yeah. All right. <clears throat> Shame. Yeah. Shame. 
All right, so the the next game, speaking of shame, I got is the the Rams Broncos game, <laughs> mm. uh, or what was supposed to be a game uh, that was played that uh, was just a fucking disaster for Russell Wilson. And I don't, I mean, we can't make any excuses anymore. We can't say uh, it's injuries. We can't say anything. The man threw three interceptions. He scored. Uh, I think he had three points in the first quarter, three points in the second, zero in the third, and finally, before he got benched, he had one touchdown uh, in the uh, fourth. This game was a fucking dumpster fire. Uh, Disaster piece. Yeah. It was and, a classic, an instant classic if you're a Rams fan. Oh, yeah. So anybody who didn't see it, the score ended up 51-14. And... It was as bad visually as what that... I mean, it takes a special team to make Baker Mayfield look like a superstar, and that's exactly what they did. He was 24-28. He had 230 yards. He had two touchdowns, 124.7 rating for the day. To uh, <laughs> Russell's 15-27, one touchdown, Three interceptions, six sacks, six sacks on the day. Uh, Without Aaron Donald, by the way, who is out for the rest of the season with a high ankle sprain. Without yeah. Aaron Donald. Yeah. So, um, Brett Rippon came in, looked great at first, showed a little bit of life, uh, started moving the ball down, ended up throwing an interception, kind of killed the momentum there. Uh, but, I think this is the nail, the final nail in the car. I mean, I'd love to say that, but they're paying Russ so much money that a quarter of a billion dollars over the next five years. Yeah. I think they have no choice but to tough it out and see how this goes because if they, if he doesn't make it one season for that kind of money, um, this, I mean, it already looks like the worst financial move any team has made in a very, very, very long time, if not ever. How? I mean, what are you going to do? You, you're going to sit him and just eat that money? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what the Raiders are going to do with Derek Carr. So, yeah, it, it, well, it, is, it is very rumor, Rumors are the cars may, that, that they actually may cut Derek Carr because of his no-trade clause and the, the likelihood of them not getting anything back. Uh, so Football's wild, man. Football's wild. Yeah. What does this do? What do you think this does for... Uh, future contracts. Oh, I, I think we see. I think the ceiling, the ceiling was hit with Mahomes, and I think it's. I think a five-year two fifty is probably it, and I don't think that every quarterback's going to get five years two fifty. I think five years two fifty is maybe what Lamar can attempt to can you know communicate his way into, but I don't see it happening. No, I, I could see, see. You know, unless Justin Herbert. Goes on a magical postseason run and leads his team to the Super Bowl. I don't see a five-year, two hundred fifty million dollars extension for him. I could see it being I, like I have no, no data to back that up. But like, when you pay these franchise quarterbacks this kind of money, I, I have another friend, um, longtime quarterback hater, and his shout out to Kyle, and he's just like, you cannot pay. That, that's the one thing that Bill Belichick did right. You cannot pay a quarterback that much of the cap. And win. It's just not possible. And yet we just keep doing it. We keep saying, yeah. Oh, we'll pay Aaron Rodgers fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, we'll pay Russ fifty million dollars a year. 
Yeah, we'll pay Deshaun Watson $46 million a year. Yeah, we'll pay Kyler Murray 40 Like, what? What? No. No, no, no. And I hate to say this. I don't really agree with Jerry Jones too often, but Jerry Jones is also kind of one of those those uh, cap savants where he's like, you know what? We're not we're not going to pay that for that position. And everyone's like, rah! And I'm like, uh, you're right on that, boss. You're right. I don't think you should type a quarter of a billion dollars over the next five years to someone. Uh, and 15 games in, you're just sort of like, so we got fleeced, right? Like, like, did anyone know that this prize fight between Seattle and Denver was going to look just like the first Super Bowl between Seattle and Denver? Because right now the Seahawks are sitting at 43 picks and players, and the Denver Broncos may get to eight wins next season. Mm. Shout out 43 and eight. Yeah, man, I uh, I could see it being like a 175 three year with like a two year player option or, or or a player option for that fourth year, and then kind of see what happens. But I think this is going to cause teams to take a deeper look at some of these massive contracts for some of these older guys. Like, do they come up with like an aging threshold? Because we have, and I'll let you talk about your game, or I'll just segue into my last game real quick before you get yours, because this is a good segue into yeah. that. Because then you have uh, uh, a team like Jacksonville, right? Where Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, came in, had moments last season, kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning of this season, and is on a fucking tear now. Is actually looking like a Five legitimate... Five over the last seven games. Yeah, looks like a legitimate quarterback. Now, I know the Jets have had some issues. They've They've lost a bunch in a row. They're... They were the team that I thought would be the surprise playoff contender going into the season, but thought some things would have to go their way. They're not. They're kind of shit in bed, kind of playing themselves out of the playoffs. But, man, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is starting to look and put things together to make him look like a legitimate team. Now, the Jaguars aren't a team that I would say is built for winning. Like, as you work your way down their roster, uh, I mean, the the biggest standout on that entire team is uh, uh, Snoop Connor, just because he's got such an incredible name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but other than uh, Evan Ingram and what Travis uh, Etne was it Etne Etne Etienne Etienne, I always screw his name up. Uh, other than those two, like he, he doesn't have a lot of guys you can really count on game in and game out there's not a lot of superstars that are on that team and here we are five and two uh going into the the postseason with the you know a chance to kind of make a little bit of noise and they're not beating like nobody's they beat uh they beat dallas the ravens in overtime yeah pick six they beat dallas they beat the ravens uh eh, the raiders was a tough one uh but <clears throat> I mean it's they're starting to to put it together, right? They had a little bit of a soft schedule on the tail end, the Lions, the Titans, Cowboys, and the Jets. Um but keep in mind I'm, though, they have the Texans and the Titans 18, coming up again. Yeah, in week eighteen they play the Titans for the AFC South. Yeah. So they, they could be division winners. The Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars or Trevor Lawrence could be division winners at or below five hundred. Wild. Love to see the chaos. Yeah, so it's it's. I mean, it's obviously it's a it's an interesting year. We've been saying it all season that it's it's really a week by week season, right? You're never really sure what you're going to get. We saw some really good teams that just came up short. 
We saw some really good teams that shit the bed, and we saw some bad teams beat some teams that we weren't expecting to to go that way. You know, some of the Bills games, some of the, the Kansas City games uh, didn't play out the way we, we thought they was. And this one is just the Jets were just terrible. Uh, Zach Wilson is not the guy. He's just not the guy. Another he looks, quarterback that's been rumored to be cut, which yeah. is insane because he was the second overall pick two years yeah. ago. Yep. He went nine for 18, a total of 92 yards, an interception. He got sacked three times. Uh, he had one rush for one yard, finished the other day with a 41.9 rating. Uh, his uh, backup, which everybody was hoping for the entire time, was uh, Chris Streveler, who had some success. I think it was in like Canadian Football League or something like that. Uh, came in and was just slinging the ball all over the place and looked like a superstar. He went 10 for 15. He finished with two yards less than uh, <clears throat> Zach Wilson did in about a quarter and a half. Um, obviously, I mean, he didn't do much better. They they still didn't score any points, but uh, he kind of brought the team and the fans back into the game a little bit. He thought maybe there was a chance to come away with this one. He thought they might pull out like a Buccaneers-style comeback, which we didn't even talk about. The fact that the Bucks are getting their ass kicked and then came back from nowhere and ended up winning that game, yeah. forcing that game in overtime. But, um, yeah, I mean, the takeaway from this one was was Trevor. 20, uh, 20 of 31, 229. He didn't throw any touchdowns, but he did an okay job taking care of the ball. He did give up uh, a fumble at one point, but He's piecing together some of these wins. The Jets are not a benchmark team. I know we can make arguments about the last few teams, but they're confidence-building games, right? And they had games over the year where they were close enough. You thought they might find a way to squeak it out or or that were more competitive than what you would expect. These type of confidence-building games can help in the long run uh, boost confidence as you're swinging into the playoffs. So if the Titans, who they're without Tannehill, uh, not sure what you're going to get out of those guys. And then you have uh, the Falcons uh, this weekend. I don't know. They could fuck around and find out. So we'll, we'll see. There might be one more to keep an eye on going into next season, just to kind of see how they turn out. They were competitive against the Eagles. They lost by a touchdown. Uh, the Raiders, they lost by a touchdown. Kansas City, they lost by 10. So these weren't blowout games. The only blowout game they had this season was... Uh, the Lions, which is a weird, weird blowout game, but that's that game felt different in general from a Lions perspective. They were like figuring it out for that one game, and then they, you know, proceeded to be Lions again. So. Very, I'm very happy to see the Jags pulled it around. But remember, Doug Peterson is the head coach of that football team. Yeah. He took a backup quarterback with a very scrappy Eagles team. Mm-hmm. And fourth and one, Philly special against one of yeah. the greatest coaches and quarterbacks of all time. That was just a memorable Super Bowl. Like he made he made Carson Wentz an MVP candidate. He made Nick Foles a Super Bowl MVP. Like this, like the guy is capable of whispering to quarterbacks. I don't understand why. I mean, good for Nick Sirianni. It's still at Philly, but like, I wonder where they could be now if 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 Peterson had stayed there. So I know that the fans in Duval are very happy <laughs> in Florida for him to be there. Because yeah. he's 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 turned that, that culture around, especially after the whole Urban Meyer fiasco. So can't hate it there. All right. 
Uh, I'm going to wax poetic and then just kind of go through this. Well, I'm going to do it in reverse. I'm going to go through this first one pretty quickly and then wax poetic about the second game because it was much better. Uh, Chiefs Seahawks, 24 to 10. Not much to tell you other than the Chiefs probably took their foot off the gas in this one. And I know you hate that phrase, but at no point were the Chiefs in danger of losing this game. Um, Kenneth Walker finally came back over 100 yards. The run game got going good. Gino, touchdown, and a pick. If you can't stop the other team from walking you down the field, you are not going to win games. And there has been a massive regression in the Seahawks defense, just getting punched in the mouth continually again and again and again. And the, the thing we've always pointed to over the past few games is, well, the Seahawks offense doesn't have enough weapons. Kyle Lockett's now injured. You know, Will Disley, the tight end position, is not getting open. He's on IR now. What, what are they going to do? All the things that Seattle's scheme was getting people open for and scoring points has all been figured out now. And this happens. And this is a frustration that Seahawks fans feel every season. Right around week 13 or 14, they start losing to bullshit games that they shouldn't. Because they get cute. And they don't want to go away from what's been working for them all season. Except that it is the prime time to do something that's different. Because everyone has been studying your tape for over two months at that point And knows exactly what play is coming. Knows exactly how to stop you. And these bubble screens on third and 14, I have no idea why the Seahawks are still calling them. It's very frustrating. However, all the experts said they would only have six wins this year, and they have seven. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, with Geno Smith on this team, you can get to eight. Eight wins. I don't care. It is a great season. We won week one against Rust, which is the Super Bowl equivalent for the Seattle Seahawks in this season. So completely okay with it. Um Mahomes had this like silly 15 yard touchdown run that was like, I can't believe no one tackled him. It was just ridiculous. Travis oh. Kelsey over 100 yards again, just when he gets going. Folks, I'm going to tell you this, and I know that this is going to be maybe viewed as a hot take, but if you play fantasy football and Travis Kelsey is on the board and you're determining whether or not you should get a wide receiver or a running back over Travis Kelsey, you are going to lose your league. You are going to lose your league. There are five tight ends maybe in the league, that are worth drafting. The rest of them you're going to have to stream, and you're going to have to look into your crystal ball and figure out what that is. Travis Kelsey, if you're in a PPR league, he's a monster every single week. Travis Kelsey, if you're in a standard league, is going to get you points every single week anyways. Some weeks, it's going to be eight points. In some weeks, it's going to be 23 non-PPR points, which in PPR is just straight bananas. But he and Patrick had this connection that is, dare I say, very reminiscent of Gronk and Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. So if you let someone else take him, if you're not trying to trade for him in the beginning parts of the season, until Kelsey has an injury or demonstrably falls off, you are giving away free points. And if you think, oh, I need this other wide receiver, who the fuck is going to be there when you're going to take Travis Kelsey at the bottom of the first round, beginning of the second round? Nobody. Nobody that you're that you're going to win a league with, in my personal opinion. So that, that's just that. Uh, I will finish up with Giants-Vikings. The, the Vikings have taken a lot of guff for having a soft schedule, for winning a couple games, but they have been in 11 or 12 one-score games this season. And when it's counted, their defense has stiffened up, and their offense has got in position to kick a field goal, to get a go-ahead touchdown, to go to OT and kind of grind it out. Um, Justin Jefferson is a problem that cannot be solved. Her cousin seems to be worth every dollar that they paid him. The defense seems to fall apart in some spaces, but definitely stiffens, like I said, when it needs to. Oh, 
and they have a kicker who can kick a 61-yard field goal, which if you watch that game when he kicked that field goal in overtime, you looked at it and you said, that probably could have been good from 65 or, or 70 yards out. Like, I want to believe that the Vikings cannot challenge the rest of the NFC because of all the narratives that we've come to accept. Ah, uh, Kirk is different at a prime time. When the lights are on, Kirk can't do it. The Vikings always kind of cough up something in the playoffs. They they trade in season for TJ Hawkinson. So now there's not really someone who is able to, I mean, if you want to double Justin Jefferson, you can, but Hawkinson or, or Osborne's going to get going. Dalvin Cook had a 64-yard touchdown run off a bubble screen, which nobody wanted to tackle him. And, you know, generally the defense will allow them to stay in the game. This is not a team that I want to see on wildcard weekend. And I don't think that they're going to, you know, get to the point where they could take the number one seed from the Eagles unless a lot of bad things happen. It's possible. But this is a team that's been peaking over the right time. And I think it could be primed for a deep, deep playoff run if they play their cards right. And I, I got a hand to the first year, first year coach, you know, coming over, taking over and just really kind of just putting things into motion. And the, the team seems to be more than just uh, let's make videos of Kirk Cousin iced out on the on the team jet. The, the team actually plays together. And I think that's dangerous when you get into the postseason. And I, I do appreciate what that is, even if I'm not like the biggest Vikings fan, because I'm just like, man, come on. I don't know, you had one job. You take them to overtime. You have one job. You know what I mean? And then just let them go and kick a 61-yard field goal? Of course they're going to go for it. They have no choice. But I, Cousins is one of those that, like, the league swings or, or the fan base swings so aggressive, aggressively back and forth. Like when he has a good week, everyone's like, oh, it's Kirk Cousins is the guy. And the moment he's a bad week, everyone's talking about, is he really who you're going to bank your future on? People can't make up their minds. So it's, I feel for that team. I don't know what their future looks like, but people can't let them just be happy with what they're doing right now. They just can't. Justin Jefferson, 16 catches, buck 33. Sixteen catches. Yep. Sixteen candles, sixteen catches, classic. I'm just saying. Yep. So I mean it's a, Kirk Cousins playing his ass off. Three you know who played their ass off this weekend, unfortunately came up short? It's Goff. Jared Goff has yeah. kind of like found himself a little bit, unfortunately, a little bit too late in the season to really do anything about it. But you know, they did lose to Carolina, who's been winning against some questionable teams as of late. They're still losing against decent teams, but they Goff? Got, they got really mauled by Carolina on the run game Yeah, in that game. But Goff went up 355 yards. He had three touchdowns. I mean, looked pretty decent on the day. Took care of the ball pretty well. Did have a fumble. Ran for 15 yards. Uh, they're just, you know, nothing they could do to stop the run game. Uh, Deontay Foreman and Chubba Hubbard, between the two of them, had about 300 yards combined. So uh, that game gets yep. a little bit honorable mention, but it is nice to see Goff kind of finding himself. You know, you got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams that you can throw to. DJ Clark kind of comes in and out, um, but not not a lot to really work with there for a team you thought was going to have a lot of promise. I know everyone had their doubts about Goff, but every now and again, he has some of these games where he kind of shines. A little bit. You can hope they can kind of ride that momentum going into next season. I, I definitely think they can. Speaking of next season, it's practically here. Uh, yeah. Week 17. Yeah. Look, I, 
for some reason, Russ's best game of this season came against the Chiefs. And I wrote this in as a pick for next week. And since then, Nathaniel Hackett has been fired. He is one of seven coaches in NFL history to be fired the first season that they're hired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sucks. I, I think Shortly. he's definitely... Yeah, I, I, to be a, a head coach in the NFL uh, is very, very tough. Uh, you're you're pretty much running a small company, even though the the GM is responsible for hiring and the owner is technically responsible and overseeing everything. Like as the coach, you are the oil. You make every part of that engine run on a daily basis. And Hackett, I think, was kind of in an unwinnable position. So Roger Sherman from the Ringer actually put put something out after they got thumped, destroyed, as you mentioned, uh, by the Rams. 51 to 14, or whatever it was last week, he said, Hackett, I'm, I'm willing to bet Hackett came over thinking that they could convince Aaron Rodgers to join the Broncos. And we had said that before the season. I was like, this kind of feels like you go MVP, MVP with a dude, and then it's quasi, oh my God, we need a quarterback. He gets paid $15 million a year, and they say, we'll pay Russ instead. Uh, and the offense has just never been on the right page. All the internet gossip about you know, whether or not the, the two are gelling, all that stuff, who knows? At the end of the day, a person is fired for in-game management and for losing football games. And they're on a contract and they get fired in the first year. It was historically bad. No doubt about it. But he was probably going to be fired about midway through the season. And I think that that drubbing from the Rams is probably the final straw. Um, and now they're going to look for another coach whom is going to have to work and open up Russell Wilson's skill set to maximize that team while mm. keeping the defense intact. I also saw something that they said uh, they offered to head the interim head coach to the defensive coordinator, and he turned it down. That ain't good. Yeah. That ain't good at all. Uh, I imagine the makeup of the team has a lot to do with that because nobody wants to take on that dumpster fire. You know, it. <clears throat> Russ is getting paid 20, 23 or 24 some odd million this year, but like his cap hit not next season, but the season after that goes up, I think north of 48 or $50 million a year. Right. So like, damn, you need someone to come in there and like the Broncos wanted a winning season. That's what the ownership said from the minute they started. And this is another example for Russ to go out there and try and shine and do something because as an interim head coach, yeah, we're going to stick to a pretty risk-free game plan. If you're a veteran quarterback, you know, you can sort of mess with that a little bit. You can say, nah, I like some of these deep throws, like some of these, you know, post-crossers, I, I really want something different here. This is a chance for us to sort of show everyone, hey, I, I can still play. I can still make it. The downfall, and again, shout out to my, my, my quarterback, Hayden friend, uh, Kyle. He called it. He was like, Russ's arm is not the same anymore. He can't run as much as he used to. Like, And I, I just thought it was like typical, like, yeah. you know, jealousy, sports fan bullshit talk. And I was like, where are you coming with this? Because I watch every single game, and I'm like, yeah, he's got flaws here or there, but like, when you see the whole the whole nucleus that Pete Carroll put together with that team, with Sherm and Cam and Earl and Lynch and Cliff and Mike Bennett and everyone, Doug Baldwin, when all those things are together, you have the perfect, perfect concoction for a creative solution. And then when they all go to other different teams, you're like, it doesn't work because you need all of them together. And you would think, oh, we're going to take Russ, we're going to put him in a team where he's got a defense, that the running game's good. Oh, here we go. It just reminded me of 2014. And the same result doesn't happen. And you're like, uh, what happened? Why? Why do we pay this dude $245 million? Mm-hmm. We should be we should be seeing something here. It's very hard to recreate lightning. It really is. 
And I feel for the Broncos fans because I think they definitely thought, hey, we went into an arms race with the, with the rest of the AFC West and we're going to kick ass. And they are the bottom of that. Yeah. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs, long story long, in this one. Um, and I think the Chiefs will definitely take their foot off the gas somewhere around the third quarter because I don't think that they will need to score more than 24 points in this game because I don't see Rust. Mm. I think Rust might be cooked. <laughs> just this season. Uh, so my next one here isn't going to be a layup like you're taking, but it's a game that we both have. <laughs> hey, Tim, Tim, all time, you're a 20, I'm an 18. I need fucking points, all right? I'm just, I'm being honest with you, right? Is that, what, is that how we're playing this now? Should I just, should I just yeah. start picking some uh, some easy games? I'm going to take the Dallas-Tennessee game, and obviously we're going to go Dallas. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick one. <clears throat> that we both, I think, had on our radar for this weekend because it's probably the best game on the entire slate, and that's the the Bills-Cincinnati game. Um, this one's going to be an interesting matchup because the Bills have been somewhat inconsistent over the last five games and have come close to losing games that you really thought they had no business even being that close to losing. Um, and uh, But the way they match up, it's it's not a secret that the Bengals uh run game is awful. It's it's one of awful. It's one of the worst in the league. They rank uh uh what are, what are they? They're twenty sixth in the league for rushing yards per game with an average of ninety eight. So hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is Joe Mixon a top five running back? Uh I don't think so. No. Mm. All right, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just just putting it out there. I I've always said Joe Mixon is top five, probably five. You know what I mean? But uh, if you look, you think at, so? No, I always say that pejoratively. I don't actually mean that. Um, okay. If this is, I mean, Pro Football Network, this is the top ten, right? You got Tony Pollard on that list. Nick Chubb, number two. Christian McCaffrey, number three. Jonathan Taylor, number four. Josh Jacobs, number five. Austin Eckler, number six. Saquon, number seven. Mix is not mix is not in there. You know what I mean? I just I don't understand why people think that like you that he's that he's fantastic. Like Samaj P. Ryan has that offense humming just as much as Mixon does. It, it just it seemed like it didn't work out for them. I think the way they wanted it to. Yeah, like I'm I'm trying to trying to look him up right here. Like nothing, nothing about his like his yards per attempt in all but one two games was uh, under six yards per carry on average, and of those one two three four five six seven were under four yards per carry on average. So like it's not he isn't doing anything that's really sticking out he only has he has six touchdowns on the season and four of those came in one game against carolina so uh rushing yardage i mean he's been a he he averages more receiving yards than he does rushing yards in almost Which, every game i mean great good for you but if you want to be a top five running back and you have six touchdowns and you mm -hmm. have um and this is this is from nfl.com he has lost him. Come on now. 
he has 787 a... rushing yards. Yeah. Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, Kenneth Walker, who didn't play for multiple games. Deonta Foreman, who wasn't the lead back until Christian McCaffrey got traded. Tyler Algier and Zeke Elliott all have more rushing yards than him. Yeah. I mean, Najee Harris, I'm... who was injured most of the season. Jonathan Taylor, who's injured most of the season. Damian Pierce, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders. Josh Jacobs leads the league with 1,539 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, Henry, it's... 1,429. Yeah, it's just... Uh... I don't know. It's like they're splitting him too much because he's he's getting the. I mean, he's not getting the ball thrown to him a lot, but he's making the most of the yards after the catch for a lot of these <clears throat> because he is, he's averaging like four or five passes per game or four or five receptions rather. Um, but yeah, like none of these are sticking out. He has one game with 153 yards, another one with 96 yards. The first game of the season, he had 82. And then the highest he's had behind that was 65, but he's got a 24-yard game, a 27-yard game, a 20-yard game, a 21-yard game. There's nothing on here that sticks out as as like a, a top running back in the league now. Is some of that potentially his offensive line just not you know making space for him? Uh, potentially, maybe they're not scheming for him, but... There's a long, a long way to get to the point where I think uh, it's going to be a competitive game uh, it's going to come down to passing because there's no way this run game is going to help in any way. And I just think the Bills are too much of an offensive-minded with a defensive back team to to cough this one up. Now, on paper, statistically, you you would be surprised by this, but Joe Burrow has better stats than Josh Allen does. Two more touchdowns we on do the say season. Stats don't matter, so. Yeah, he's got uh, two additional touchdowns and about 200 yards more. Um, but attempts, he's also got 20 more attempts on the season. So this one's going to be uh, this one's going to be an interesting one. Um, T. Higgins is clearly the better the better running back on this team um, in 73. I mean, uh, the better offensive weapon on this team over Mixon. Mixon's just not. Mixon's not going to be re- the reason they win this game. It's going to be Burrow and his receiving core if they make a game hey, of it. Hashtag bucket Jamar <clears throat> down there somewhere. Yeah. But um, Buffalo is second in points allowed per game. Um, they have a better pass defense. They have a, a, a far superior rushing defense. They're fourth in the league. So this one, <clears throat> this one I think the Bengals come up short on. I think the Bills are just playing too well. Their team's too well-rounded. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Allen and the Bills on this one. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. So we'll both be picking that one. Uh, Tim, your next game. My, my next one. Um, I didn't want to go. I always do Bucks or Patriots, and I was going to steer away from them. But I think it's important we consider one of those teams because I think they're both playing for their playoff livelihood um and both i think are must win games i know that i know new england has to win to stay alive the bucks have to win also to stay alive um let's go let's go new england because uh i'm really hoping they do not win this game and i think and i hope they get bounced before they reach the playoffs because <laughs> <laughs> this is what I think. This is what I think happens, and I think uh, 
and I, you know, I'm not. This isn't going to be unique to me. My concern, if they get in and win any number of games in the playoffs, it's going to make Matt Patricia look better than he actually is. And they might think, oh, well, there's been some growth. Let's just stick with this and see how this goes next year. No, they need to go down with a losing record. They need to actually explore options for a legitimate offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, it'll be it'll be an uncomfortable conversation with Patricia and Belichick's son because their defense has been playing pretty well this season. So you can't really say that his son's not doing his job. Uh, I mean, defensively, they're 14th and 9th in the league, respectively, for passing yards and, and rushing yards. So their defense isn't doing a terrible job, so it's not their problem. It's all on the offensive side. I made a post on Facebook this weekend that I know, I know Jones gets a lot of hate. I'm not yet willing to put myself out on the line and say that he's a good quarterback. He's not Tom Brady. We understand that he's not Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going to be. Yeah. Tom Brady could take a ball boy, put him out there, and turn him into a superstar. Like that was the running joke for a long time. Is that we were finding guys that nobody gave a shit about or we thought were past their prime and we were putting them out and turning them into superstars, right? Like Moss came over and just torched the entire league. Granted, he's generational talent and, and went on, but we brought over Hogan, uh former lacrosse player who has since left the league to go and play lacrosse. Uh, Julian Edelman, nobody heard of. Uh, He was just the replacement to Wes Welker. I mean, there was all of these players who have come in and have been turned into just superstars and have gone on and and struggled elsewhere or uh, were nobodies when they came in here and we developed them. Mac Jones does not have that ability, at least not yet. Is he going to grow into that? Who knows? Uh, Brady's start to his career. Uh, I know they won very early. They won a Super Bowl, but there were still some bumps along the road. Again, I'm not comparing the two of them. I think there. I think you see enough in his game that there is something there. He just doesn't have the talent around him to help, other than Stevenson and Myers. Maybe when Myers gets involved and actually holds on to the ball. Um, I I just don't know if they I don't think they're a team that is necessarily built for winning the way that they are and when you put a first year defensive coordinator as your offensive coordinator in the first portion of the season they're not even really sure who it is that's making the the play calls there's a lot of things that are going on there that just do not feel like a New England team uh, <clears throat> the exact opposite of that this is what we're seeing on the Dolphins' side. And I've always said that the Dolphins and New England, they always play against each other um, competitively, no matter who's the better of the two teams. I don't expect this to be all that different. I know Tua may miss because he's got another concussion, which if I'm that dude, I'm going to start considering how, how much longer I actually want to keep trying to do this. Or are we do a better job though? of... Pro- I mean, he's got to do a better job of protecting himself and stop running... Where the dude's gonna be a vegetable by the time he's forty. Like there's he he's it's three concussions this season, one of which, uh, you was know, was probably, terrifying. Yeah. So I mean that's that's another one. So he may not start this weekend, but I still suspect it's gonna be um, a tough game for for New England. I mean, Mac Jones has nine touchdowns so far this season, and what's what's even more frustrating. 
is you see him miss some throws, you see him make some plays that uh, are, are some, there's some accuracy on occasion where you're like, was that the route? Was that, was that Mac Jones? Did you just miss him? He does miss some guys, but holy shit, the amount of throws he makes that are good throws that his guys just miss are incredible. And they, and they miss them. Like if they only had 10 misses in a game, eight of those misses come at like three and long or touchdown opportunities or situations where they've had some brutal, brutal, brutal calls go against them this season. And if that's the trend, whether you call it luck or whatever you want, if that's the trend, you got to capitalize on the things that you do have, right? Like they had a catch that was clearly inbounds. It was called out of bounds. They had a, a touchdown that was called not a touchdown. Like it was, or a touchdown scored against them that was not a touchdown because the guy was out of bounds. It's just, it's a bizarre season for them. Uh, zero chance anybody could say that New England is the NFL's team because the refs are on their side. If you're still <laughs> saying that, you're not paying attention this season. Right. Uh, but I think, I think the Dolphins and their head coach right now, uh, that the team just fully supports that entire organization with or without Tua, I think they're going to come in and play competitive. New England is just too undisciplined right now. They're not even playing like New England safe, well-rounded football where they're taking care of penalties. They're taking care of the ball. They're just... I think the game with Jacoby Myers kind of taking it upon himself to throw that lateral was sort of... uh, uh, a, a reflection of what that season is, right? They, I think they're like, if they don't lead the league, they're up there in penalty yards this season. Tough penalties in really brutal situations. They're just not playing smart football. And then when you mix in a quarterback who's struggling, an offensive coordinator who doesn't seem to be very good at his job on a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons, it's just a recipe for a disaster. If they make it to the playoffs and they have any level of success, it gives the artificial impression of growth and i'm not here for that so just out of spite i'm taking the dolphins wow yeah well i mean they they you know they sometimes they win sometimes they don't um i look forward to them losing that pick because teddy bridgewater is going to start so we'll see what happens i got the sunday night game raven steelers lamar has been out for a couple of weeks i anticipate him to come back uh probably for this game Steelers did a magnificent job last week against the Raiders, getting Derek Carr into three interceptions and getting him to be benched for Jarrett Stedham. A one Jarrett Stedham, uh, who was on two teams this season and was cut for both of them. So um, I think that has more to do with like the injury guarantee, and I'm not one to pay him on that, but uh, my goodness. This hey, real quick. Work. Real quick, you'll like this. Teddy Bridgewater has started four games this season. He's one off four. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if he was one off four. I wasn't looking at the record. Um, but uh, he's thrown three touchdowns. Mac Jones. How many? Has only, huh? How many? Three. Three. Mac Jones has only thrown nine, and he started pretty much every goddamn game this season. So, yeesh. Going to be more competitive than I think you think. <laughs> He's also thrown uh, uh, three interceptions too. So, can you imagine if Teddy Bridgewater threw three touchdowns and Max threw three touchdowns? And this game was like a a race to thirty. I could see this coming down to a shootout, 
And if that's the case, I think the two-minute drill for New England is one of the best in the league behind maybe, I mean, the Chiefs, obviously, because, you know, Mahomes is a bitch. You can't tell when you're allowed to hit him when you're not. And he capitalizes on that and makes that weird little. Okay. All right. Clearly, someone is not hitting their parlays, and that's why they're upset. <laughs> but no, no, no. I just, every time I see him run, I get frustrated because how are you as a defensive player? We've talked about it, so I'm not going to get into it. But you never know when you're going to hit the guy because you can't tell when he's going to slide and when he's not. So if you're a defensive back and you're coming up to make a hit and he's running for that pylon, like at what point do you hit him or do you let him run out of bounds, right? It's just, it's so, I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. interesting. Other okay. other than, uh, I would say it goes them. Uh, clearly the Bucks and their two-minute drill, even if they come up short, like they look dangerous every time they go into that. Uh, that hurry up offense. They look fucking dangerous, and they will move the ball in like 18 seconds all the way down the field. You know um, who will move the ball in 18 seconds? Who's that? Lamar Jackson. Who's who's what we started talking about when we started talking about this game in the first place between the Ravens and the Steelers yeah, on yeah, Sunday yeah. night football? Sorry, sorry. So who do you if got? he's back, Mark Andrews. I think we'll get going. Um, look, the Ravens got a lot to prove. Lamar's got a lot to prove, right? Um, uh, you know, betting on himself, contract wise, all that stuff. I think the team is in a good position to get there. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll button it up real nicely. I say, Lamar plays, it's the Ravens. Lamar doesn't play, it's the Ravens. Because Huntley, the backup quarterback, got in as a fourth alternate, one spot behind Lamar Jackson because of the way that when he is in the offense, it looks virtually the same. So yeah. I, I shout out to the shout out to the Steelers. I don't think this is going to be the year that they go five hundred. Um, so I think um, my Tomlin streak will come to an end there, but uh, I do think that the, the Ravens will still eke it out here. Tim, the last game you're picking of this week. Give it to all right, me. That's, that's, that's all three for mine. No, you said uh, Bills, Bengals, Patriots, Brooklyn. Dolphins. Who's the third? Uh, Bills, Bengals. Uh, no, I did... Uh... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now you got me all over the place. I I got the notes here. I'm looking at it. All right, all right. I'll 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 I'll, I'll snatch another one. Um. Huh. Man, the games this week kind of suck. Yeah, uh, we we yeah. really got a lot of great games last week. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna try and give you a uh, another one here because I'm gonna pick another difficult yeah, one. I appreciate it. I'm gonna we go, go with the week 18, 20 all. Yep, love it. Yeah, I'm gonna go Green Bay, Minnesota. Oh, because <clears throat> this is another one of those where you got a surging Packers team and a twelve and three Vikings team that everyone continues to say doesn't deserve to be a twelve and three team, yet they still come out every single week and they play their ass off. So I don't know what more you gotta look at and see. I mean, strength of schedule has been somewhat tough over the last... I mean, sorry, not tough. It's been somewhat easy over the last few weeks, but they've... I mean, let's... They play the Giants. I wouldn't call that an easy game. But then they played the Colts, the Lions, the Jets, the Patriots. They lost to the Cowboys. They beat the Bills in overtime. Commanders. The last... The two games they've lost this week... Uh, this, uh, this season were the Eagles... Uh, are the three 
or the Eagles, the uh, Cowboys, and the Lions, which goes back to the Lions and telling you they get some of these sneaky wins in there when golf golf plays pretty well. So, granted, their their strength of schedule looks comparatively soft to some of these other teams, but they, I mean, they beat Miami when Miami was playing well. Uh, they beat the Packers in the beginning of the season, but Aaron Rodgers looked drastically different than what he did. What he has as of late is kind of in Aaron Rodgers' fashion. Kind of figured it out late, but it's making games uh, work. They won the last three games. Uh, they lost the last game. They lost was to Philly, who was beating everybody. So that one you can kind of give to them. But they beat the Rams. They just beat the Dolphins, and they beat the Bears. So. This one's kind of a toss-up because it's a team that's really kind of hit their stride coming up against a team who has kind of been living there for a while, but has showed a little crack in the armor when they're playing against a really good team. Um, And this is another one to kind of keep those playoff hopes uh, alive. Green Bay is sitting at 7-8 and eight, uh, in order for them to... Do they have to win out? I don't know where they sit in the wild card... Uh, but I know that there's a chance that they, they're not going to go deep into the playoffs, but there's a chance they can make it, but I think they have to win out. So they're going to play with a little bit of meaning behind what they're trying to do. Um, I'm going to go... You're going Green Bay here. I'm just calling it for you. <laughs> I was at, I mean... I mean, I'm actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm considering it only because of the way they've been playing as of late and the fact that Minnesota gives up more points defensively than Green Bay does. So that is a problem. They yeah. rank 24th in the league. So there's a couple matchups here. Uh, Green Bay's running game <clears throat> is far better than Minnesota's. So there are things in place. Uh, that helps this team on paper lean towards Green Bay. Green Bay uh, defensively is third in the league uh, in terms of pass defense. Uh, Minnesota is last in the league. So when you go up against someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's finally figured his team out and who's able to fling that ball wherever he wants to, it's a pretty dangerous combo. So... It might sound like I'm crazy going up against the Vikings, but I'm going to take Green Bay in this one. And unfortunately, I'm not a Rodgers or a Green Bay fan, so this one kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. But I'm going to go Green Bay. Really looking forward to those points. Those are our picks for this week, Tim. Yeah, you did. You did mention earlier, JJ Watt, ref, you know, referencing that he's going to just call it a call it a career, going to yep. be in the Hall of Fame. And you know how I know he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Because the Hall of Fame's official Twitter page was like, the first year he's eligible is this year. The fuck it, I mean, it's already written. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, him, Aaron Donald, Lawrence Taylor, the only people that have been in that conversation. When he's on the field, he's an absolute wrecking force. He is yeah. one of the best Houston Texans players ever. Yeah. He doesn't make it into their ring of honor. It will be right on brand for the Texans, but they were a relevant team because of him, and Arizona definitely benefited from him this year. But I respect a guy that puts so much effort into the game and, you know, injuries catch up with you and you just decide to say it might not be worth the squeeze anymore. So shout out to JJ. A little little bit of a hard-o off the field, in my opinion. He's one of those that that 
very much look at all the good things I'm doing versus just yeah. doing them and we're, letting we're it in happen. We're in a weird spot with that, right? <clears throat> you have to yeah. like you have to sell yeah, your own you, brand. You, you, you flowers, have to be, but like, yeah, you have to you have to sell your own brand. I get it. You have to to, to do those things where we're in an era where there's just so much news and information coming at you that you got to make sure you're controlling it or else you know who knows what kind of happens to it but the whole thing just screams try hard to me which is kind of unfortunate because he did do a lot of good things what was it the was that some country concert or zach brown band or something like that and a fan got up and danced and they had this what appeared to be uh incident where a guy got up on stage and jj came off the side of the stage and tackled him in the middle of it and everyone's like oh look at you oh my god it it couldn't look any more wwe than i almost said wwf i was about to age myself didn't look any more wwe than that because he literally stood up did the rock flex and then put his sunglasses on at night by the way so I'm looking this. I'm looking this up. Country you haven't seen it. Tackle. No, no, no. Oh, jeez. When JJ yeah. Watt tackled a person on stage at a Zach Brown, but that was this year, April fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. Yeah, watch it real quick. Let me get your input. Because it. Uh, I'm gonna go just, on mute here. I'm gonna go. Let me let me go on mute so I can, yeah, I can yeah, yeah. hear the noise and have my own official opinion. Yeah. I mean, while he's looking at that, the the way I look at it is just. When you when you do good things, you should quietly do good things and let people kind of speak for you. It's like it's like when people do the the like charity events on the sidewalk, or they give a homeless person food, but they make sure somebody is recording it off on the side so that you can post it on social media. It takes away from some of the genuine feeling going into it it makes you feel like part of what you're doing is there just for the shine and because people you want to hear people tell you how good of a person you are so that's my only complaint the minor complaint he was he was a phenomenal player he did a lot of good things whether i thought you know it was a try hard or not he did do a lot of good things he was a phenomenal football player so yes he was a first round uh he was a first rounder but i can't i can't imagine what his social media is going to look like now that uh <clears throat> now that he is filling up his time with philanthropy and his new child. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I assume that's where it's going to go. So anyways, Tim, flowers yeah. to him. Uh, flowers to, to Nathaniel Hackett, too, dude. It sucks when you come in with a quarterback who has a quarterback coach and wants him to be in the building, and he's rumored to have his own parking space, and the offense is probably built around someone else, and you got the job thinking you're going to get your previous MVP caliber quarterback, and he doesn't join you there. Yeah. Daniel Hackett's going to get another job in the NFL. Yeah, he is a good NFL coach. He just dealt with the buzzsaw that is what happens when you're an offensive coordinator and you jump to being a head coach, and you take over a team that has a lot, a lot of eyes, a new ownership group, and probably just too many chances to be shown the door. So he is gonna he's gonna refloat somewhere else. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, when I see him in a couple of years, he's probably gonna be the next coach of the. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. But yeah. <laughs> you, you you never know. Uh, you know, flowers for him, too. And uh, shout out to Austin Eckler. 
keep me alive in these fantasy playoffs. I mean, I'm playing for like fifth or sixth in like all the leagues, so uh, <laughs> all good, all good, all good. Uh, Shout out to Austin Eckler. Yeah, appreciate all then, the work you're doing. And then one last bit of uh, thoughts and prayers to Dennis Allen. I'm sure sweating bullets right now as the Saints mm. head coach because the rumors are starting to swirl. It's Sean Payton. Not only wants to get back to coaching, but he wants to get back to coaching so bad. He has already put together a coaching roster to come with him. Should he take it? I know uh, the reports come out. And of, a potential quarterback because he tried to get him the quarterback in uh, in Miami and that led to a tampering charge. But it's not a tampering charge if the quarterback, uh, one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, decides um, to join you in New Orleans. Yeah, though I... I... I, the rumors around that are uh, what San Francisco and New England, I think, are the two big rumors for those. Right, but if, <clears throat> if I'm a betting man, you put those rumors out there so you can do a dark horse to San Francisco. I mean, sorry, it said New Orleans. Tim, you know, as we'll end this episode, Sassmeyer Podcast. Where where do you want him to go? You don't want him to go back to New England because they, they ain't nobody he's going to throw to. Um, yeah, but I mean, you but we know he can. He he had some success with those guys before he left, anyway. So, I mean, as a New England fan. Would I hate him coming back to retire from uh, as a New England fan? No, that'd be kind of cool to see. But and I think it takes some of the pressure off if if they decide not to make a change at the offensive coordinator position. It takes some of the heat off of that because Belichick and Brady have uh, a firm understanding of that system. So Brady would just make the play calls from the line, uh, and you might see you might see some better games than what you're getting now behind Patricia. But you would be taking Patricia's recommendations as just that, maybe a, a recommendation, not an actual play call. So, oh, uh, thanks, thanks for that Z snap, uh, cherry twist, Coke Zero, yeah, but, hashtag but, right, we're not doing it. But fuck off, uh, I'm just gonna audible <laughs> when I get up there. Um, <clears throat> Julian, but, Julian, get set, get fucking set. <laughs> I mean, Julian has been it, talking about itching to come back. That would be some shit. Did Julian Gronkowski and Brady get together for for one more season? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I he didn't burn any bridges. I wonder if pride kind of gets in the way because if he comes back and then they both succeed, then what happens? Then the conversation becomes neither one of them could do it without each other. Yep. And uh, the only reason they joined up was because they understood they couldn't do it without each other. So. I don't know. I got some mixed feelings. We'll have to talk about it after the season. Doing my heart, where my heart lands. Well, clearly, I, it would be fantastic that Julian Edelman, Dennis Allen. Sorry, well, Dennis Allen will be showing the door. Sean Payton, Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio, uh, Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Gronkowski. Julian Edelman is pure speculation. He just said I could still do it, but I don't think he's coming back. Right. He he and OBJ are like, hey, I'll come back for the last four weeks of the season. I'll come back for the playoffs. You know what I mean? But uh, OBJ, what a fucking mess. <laughs> hey, he keeps going on visits. They keep giving him free dinners. He keeps saying, I'm ready to play in four weeks. And this is why we're about to get in the playoffs. So we're about to see what happens or not. But this is yeah, why you would, love, you would love Tom Brady to go to the team that he always loses to in the NFC South now, which is the Saints. It would be like if he decided he wanted to go to the Giants. Can you imagine him going to the Giants, him and Brian Dable? That team would be ultimately better. Him and Saquon. Hand in Bill Belichick, a couple losses a year. I think I think that'd be great. Maybe. Maybe. I uh <laughs> Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Sports is wild, huh? You got these guys Sports who have these wild. massive contracts who can just decide. I'm not going to play for you unless you give me this huge contract. But just know, if you give me this huge contract, I may just sit out for one of those entire years or more unless you trade me. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, I don't even understand. Like, if I were, I think that's why Belichick had as much success as he did. He was like, okay, see ya. If you want to leave, I mean, cool. But I'm not going to give you that money because if we do, you just decide in that fourth year, your third year, your last year, you just don't want to play anymore, then we're screwed. So uh, I'm not playing this game. Yeah. It's just, it's just wild. It's wild. Everyone bitches and moans about getting paid or not getting paid, and then you don't own up to your portion of the agreement that you fucking signed. Unreal. Yeah, unreal. And what's unreal is that this episode of the Sassamera Podcast is over. OVA over. Thank you very much for downloading, listening, subscribing, sharing the podcast, telling all your friends about it, and hopefully drinking some incredible Florida pastry stouts because that is apparently the best place in the world, at least the United States, to get them. Always stout season, baby. It's not always stout season. It's always IPA season. Anyways, I'll die in the same. Peace. All right. All right. And the two guys just drinking stouts for the last few episodes. Peace. Yeah. Us. <laughs>